You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that astronomers have measured all the starlight that's managed to escape into space over the history of the universe. And it equals about four times 10 to the 84th power particles of light. That's roughly equivalent to all the photons the sun would emit if it burned for 100 billion trillion years which is a little bit longer than the 5 billion or so years it has left before we really have to find a new place to live. And the universe itself is only 13.7 billion years old. And surprisingly, we just found evidence that blew archaeologists up that you wouldn't believe. They, they found tools and butchered bones 2.4 million years old. Uh, they clearly weren't from humans. They were from some pre-proto-human. But we've been working on getting to where we are for 2.4 million years. And when you think on timescales like that, amazing stuff happens. And just the fact that we could measure and do the math to figure out how much light there is in the universe is insane. Because the researchers used 10 years of data from the NASA Fermi Gamma Ray Space Telescope, which maps the entire sky every three hours. And... When they put this stuff together, they figured out that even though the, the sky is dark, it has this diffuse glow that are from photons emitted long ago from ancient dead stars, and they call that extragalactic background light. And I'm blown away by all this because if you ever wanted to feel inconsequential, uh, this ought to be it. You're right now 2.4 million years ago doing this and such a tiny, tiny little thing in the universe, yet you have some pretty amazing things you could do uh, in, uh, in just one lifetime. And this just came out November 30th in Science News. And I wanted to talk about it because today's guest knows a thing or two about space and about some other things. In fact, uh, he's a, a, a dear friend, uh, a leader uh, in bringing humans to space and uh, a, an entrepreneur, inventor, physician, engineer, uh, rocket scientist, an iconic figure, and a bunch of other good stuff like that. I'm talking about none other than Peter Diamandis, the man who conceived of and launched the X Prize, which is why we have private companies going to space today. Uh, so truly, a, a man who has uh, who has changed the world in in a in a very dare I say game changing way. And <laughs> Peter, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, thank you, Dave. I hope my mom's listening. She would love to hear that. All. <laughs> <laughs> well, that it, it's actually all true. And I know uh, it, it's always nice to, to throw out a big intro for a guest, uh, <laughs> but we know each other really well at this point. You've, you've been on the stage at the Bulletproof Conference. Uh, in fact, a huge number of Bulletproof conference attendees and just Bulletproof radio listeners have joined uh, your uh, community online for people who want to be disruptive, people who just make a moonshot to change the world and you sort of teach them how to do it, uh, called Abundance 360 Digital. And I wanted to have you on because in my new book, Game Changers, and we're actually recording this on the day it hits Amazon and Barnes Amazing. and Noble uh, and the indie bookstores, so I, I'm stoked. You're in the book uh, because I I studied in the first 450 episodes of Bulletproof Radio. If you're listening and you've heard all of those, you are in a rare select group of excellent human beings. Uh, for the rest of us who had other stuff to do or didn't have long commutes, 
I boiled down all of that knowledge with a statistician to figure out what are the people who've done things as big as Peter, including Peter, what do they do to perform better as a human being? Not what are their, you know, what does this one guy do, but what do they all agree on matters as a priority. And then I go into the tools for this. So if you want to change things for you to, to have your own moonshot, to do the really big things that Peter has done, uh, what's required. And Peter is the star of Law 36 in the book. I'm going to read that to you, and we're going to hear Peter's story about why it's so important. And Law 36 in the book, and the book is structured like uh, the 48 Laws of Power from Robert Greene, who I interviewed for the book, who, who wrote that very uh, transformative book almost 20 years ago. And so Law 36 says, you are a reflection of your community. And the description there is, create a safety net of people who will be there for you and need them long before you ever need them. Make sure those people bring out the best in you and push you to think bigger and be better. Uh, the, the motivational speaker, Jim Rohn, said that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Choose them carefully. And the people who I focus on in this rule, which was echoed dozens and dozens of times by different guests in different ways, but there are interviews with Tony Robbins, uh, Peter Diamandis, and J.P. Sears, uh, where I zoom in on on their stories. So, Peter, I want to hear from you. How did you use community before you even created the X Prize? Like, what was the role of community as you evolved to become the transformative person you are? So, I, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, you know, I don't think there's anything more important than community. Uh, at the end of the day. Uh, we are the average of the people we spend time with. Uh, life is about who you go through life with, who's by your side. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's pretty simple. If you want to be thin, hang out with thin people. You want to be in good shape, hang out with people who exercise every day. You know, if you want to, uh, if you want to push your boundaries intellectually, hang out with smart people who challenge you. It's, it's not that difficult a lesson to learn. And so part of this for me is always realis realizing that for most of human history, you were born and where you were born, the, that role of the lottery dice, not only what genes you got, but the country you were born into, its ethos, its merits, its communications, transportation system, its environment, all of those things shaped you, right? If you were born in a poor village in in, uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, your options were very limited. If you were born into an elite family in, you know, in Manhattan, you had lots of options. And so you were born into your community and you had very little to say with it. And your ability to escape that community hundreds of years ago was really hard. It took, uh, you had to be both lucky and determined and willing to put up with extraordinary pain and suffering uh, to go against the grain and, and, you know, because it was always assumed, listen, you know, we see, we still see this in places, whether it's in England or India or Africa, where there's a caste system, uh, or a stratification that, no, you're born down here. You cannot go above that. And you'd have to fight tremendously to do that. We forget how lucky we are today, uh, because it doesn't matter where you were born uh, in this world of, uh, of, increasing abundance. And that's one of the themes that I write about um, and, and focus on in Abundance 360 at Singularity University at XPRIZE. You can be born any place and still have extraordinary opportunities. And, and 
you know, just to lay it on the table for everybody, remember this, right? I don't care where you're born today, or at least within the next five years, everyone on the planet's going to have access to gigabit connection speeds, right? More than any of us had growing up. If you have a uh, a smart device, which there will be, there are in many countries more smart devices than our people. You have access to more access to knowledge, information, books, music, all of that than the heads of nations and robber barons had, you know, 20, 50 years ago. And if you want to know something, you can for free. You want to do a two-way video conferencing, you can for free. If you want to educate yourself, you can for free. And so all of a sudden, life is very different today, uh, given this extraordinary technological connection. You can go from the past where you were given your community to the future where you select your community, where you can say, you know, what's really important for me is to be a woman leader. And I want to surround myself with women leaders who uh, have fought for their rights, have stood up and and proven themselves and who have set new higher and higher standards and, and, and create that community. You can, uh, you know, what we've done at Abundance Digital is it's a community of of entrepreneurs to a large degree, leaders, uh, but it's it's moms and dads and college students, and it's a mixed community of people who believe that there is no problem that cannot be solved, and that uh, their job is to create uh, better and better solutions to the biggest, biggest problems, creating abundance and transforming the world. And it's a positive mindset. And Dave, you know, you you represent this, right? I, I love this phrase that a negative mindset has never gotten you a positive life, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and we're bombarded by negative mindsets all the time. You know, I write about this. I speak about this, uh, you know, watching Fox News, the crisis news network, CNN, and being bombarded by negative news all the time. It can put you down, right? I mean, oh, you yeah. want to get out of bed in the morning if you're watching that shit. <laughs> In Game Changers, I actually, I don't know if you've seen that that law. I know you've, you've got a copy of the book, but you're like me. People send you books every day. So I have the stack of probably 50 books I want to read that I haven't yet. But it, I actually thank you. And I, I say, it was you who called me out years ago uh, for saying that I wasn't thinking big enough. <laughs> and, and you've built this, this really powerful uh, community of very successful entrepreneurs who are not thinking about how do I make a lot of money? Uh, although a lot of them have, they're thinking about how do I make just this massive impact knowing that that'll probably make a difference economically, but that that the, the mission you achieve is actually way more gratifying and important. So I, I hang out every year with you and a few hundred other entrepreneurs uh, like us. And sitting in that room over the course of a couple of years, I'm like, man, I, I really just wasn't thinking about Bulletproof big enough. I thought I was thinking pretty big. But, you know, the, the decision to go out and you know, raise venture capital, and at this point, Bulletproof has raised $68 million in venture capital. Amazing. And to realize that I can disrupt the food supply. I can stop the destruction of our soil with industrial farming by asking people and showing them what you eat changes how you feel, how long you'll live, how you show up in the world, whether you're a nice person or a cranky person, uh, and just making it so that no one wants to eat all of that heavily sprayed corn uh, and you know understanding that 
that impact is massive. And it's led me to, to instead of just being an e-commerce company with high margins, to take the enormous business risk of going into Whole Foods and, and saying, I want every person in the country to have access to brain octane and other stuff. Your thinking did that to me, but Thank it wasn't you. just you. It was a room full of people, everyone around me in their own industry thinking the same way. And, it, and it, it's infectious and it catches on. And that's why Law 36 is here. I, I, I've experienced this, but the people I interviewed in the book talk about this incessantly. But you weren't always this, uh, uh, this kind of a, a world changer. You were always a rocket guy. I mean, I, I've seen your documentary, <laughs> your biography. And I mean, since you were a kid, you're pretty obsessed with this. You're freaking smart in that. Yeah, I kind of you know have this MD and you know. So, I, so a, let, me, let me let me let me dive. In, yeah, let yeah. me dive in there. So I am a sophomore at MIT, um, which uh, super lucky to get into. Love the place. I grew up. Uh, my both my parents immigrated from a small island in Greece. Come to the United States. Expect I'm going to be a doctor. Star Trek and Apollo shaped my life. And it's expected that I'll be a doctor, but in my heart of hearts, I want to be an astronaut. I want to go to space. And uh, and so I get to MIT, I'm pre-med, I'm doing molecular biology and genetics. But at night and weekends, I want to do space, right? That's truly my heart, secret fantasy and passion. And so when I get there, I'm literally uh, shocked to find out there's no student space organization. I was like, okay, I'll do academics, and at night, I'll go hang out with my fellow space cadets. They're none there. <laughs> and, at MIT. Uh, you think that would be MIT. like the home of space cadets. I, 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 exactly. It was shocking. And of course, whenever there's that kind of a disruptive situation, it's an opportunity. There was a problem. You know, flip it, opportunity. So I start a student space organization. Uh, long story, end up with the name SEDS, Students for Exploration and Development of Space. And said I started chapter it said against all the odds 25 students and then I go and I reach uh, a friend of mine at Princeton a friend at Yale they start a chapter and it grows into a a national and then an international space organization it's a community of space enthusiasts at university level around the world and wow. it was the first community I ever I ever had and I had to grow up super fast I had to learn how to lead how to raise money, how to put together conferences, how to write, you know, it's like, and there's nothing that teaches you more than when you do it for yourself. And ultimately, uh, that was an extraordinary experience. Uh, Jeff Bezos became the Princeton chapter president, which is where I met him during the, the college days. And ultimately, um, that community was my community. It was my, it wasn't, I, I wasn't the Greek community. It wasn't the MIT community. That space community was my peeps. And uh, it's where I got inspired and where I kept on raising my game uh, within that organization and my profile and got to meet cooler and cooler people. Met Arthur C. Clarke and from there started a space university. But I would ask anybody here, you know, what is your personal brand? What is your personal passion? What is your personal moonshot and mission? And what is the community in which your crazy ideas aren't crazy, where your crazy ideas are inspirational, where you'll find people who share them with you, who want to do them with you, who will invest in you, who will partner with you. And if you don't live next to that community or aren't part of that community, how do you find it? Because you're lucky, right? 
back then the 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 connective <laughs> the connective tissue in the early 80s was the U.S. Post Office and fax machines and fa- well, I'm the, the fax machines weren't even there yet. They come back, came in a few later years later. That was like 1986, 87. That was 1981, 82. It was wow. the post office. Um, and except there was there was a FedEx uh, zip zip mail zap mail, yeah. uh, which which FedEx put. In, <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> anyway, um, long story short, uh, and then you know the internet came along. Um, and now you could have community uh, instantly. You know, you can put up a website and attract that community to you. Uh, and so it's amazing, right? A community gives you the power to be superhuman. Uh, it gives you the power to shape thought, uh, to have increasing confidence. So here's, here's the example, right? You have a crazy idea. Uh, you walk into a room of people outside your community who don't know you, who don't share your enthusiasm, you share your crazy idea, what do they do? They either yawn or shit on it. And what mm-hmm. are you going to do with that? Uh, are you going to like, um, you know, is it you going to pick yourself up off the floor and re-inspire yourself? Or if you walk into a, uh, a community of peers and friends and, and, and colleagues who share your passion and you share your crazy idea, they go, that's cool. Can I join with you on that? One of them is going to propel you forward at lightning speed. The other one's going to stop you in your tracks. And so Ultimately, that's the value of community, being clear about what is a community you want, either finding it or creating it. I have a question, though. Because community can be formed so cheaply today, and I, I love it that you're talking about how hard it was. You're talking about real-time phone calls and letters with huge lag time and and things like that. And... It, it's a little bit frustrating uh, because you can throw up a community, but then it doesn't thrive because one of two things happens online. Either it, it gets sort of benign neglect, and if you don't believe me, look at the what, 40 million or something Facebook groups that are derelict, right? Or you get a community, uh, and I'm not going to name names, but there's some well-known ones uh, that resemble YouTube comment threads where it's just a bunch of just you know, kind of hateful, everything's impossible, you know, makes, makes the, the national news look uplifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so is the, the regular, just almost free ability to pull a thousand people together around some topic, has that made communities less effective? So I think ultimately a community is, um, is, I mean, just joining a Facebook group and or being part of a, um, you know, an email list doesn't mean you're part of a community. I mean, mm-hmm. being part of a community really is a function of the amount of time you invest and the, the quality and connection of the relationships that you have. Um, and I am, uh, I mean, sure, it's, it's, I don't think it's any more different than having friends, right? Because you, you, we have in our, our brains are structured, uh, you know this, uh, to have a, a close set of on the order of 150 friends. It's called Dunbar's number. Yeah. And, and the thinking is that as we were evolving uh, as homo sapiens 100,000 years ago, that the size of our tribe might have been 150 people. So you can, in a group of 150 people over the course of a year, there's nobody in that, in that group that you don't recognize or know. You may not know them well. 
And that Dunbar's number is what created sort of the size of, of not a military guy, but like, you know, troops in, uh, or I don't say battalion size, troop sizes, whatever the case might be. Um, and larger than that, there are people who you never get to interact with and meet, but you can have lots of friends. You can have thousands of friends, but you really have like a hundred real friends, yeah. right? So you can be part of lots of communities, but you align yourself with, I'm a member of the Bulletproof tribe, right? I not only drink the coffee and read Dave's books and prescribe to his his theories and his approaches and his mindset and go to his conference. I mean, that's different than, oh, I've had a Bulletproof coffee once. Right, and, right. And I think, so it it really does vary. And I, I think that ultimately people... Uh, relate to a, a tribe or a community um, that uh, that empowers them and aligns them and gives them uh, hope and excitement for the future and makes them feel good about themselves. So that that's the difference. In other words, joining an online, uh, uncurated, unmanaged uh, community isn't really joining a community; it's joining a list. And you've you've been pushing the boundaries of what you can do in that you have. The Abundance 360 in-person you know, business leader, thought leader events, uh, the one that I talk about in, in Game Changers and and the one that really helps me to, to annually up-level my thinking. Uh, but you've expanded it into a, a very different experience in an online community where it's, it's very information-rich and people actually do uh, form relationships with each other and you interact with them regularly online and all. And, and so you have this hybrid where you have Abundance 360 Digital where people who aren't at the level where, frankly, they can afford to join yeah. uh, Abundance 360. And also, you curate the crap out of it. Like, you don't let just anyone in. Like, there's a very high bar to get in, yeah. uh, which is part of the reason it's expensive. Yeah, so let me let me take a second and, and chat about that because I do fundamentally believe that the single most important thing anybody has, like, more important than the amount of money you have in the bank, more important than uh, than your education, more important than any asset you own, it's your mindset, right? How you think about the world is like the most important thing. Um, if you're a negative nilly and you're watching you know, CNN every day and you don't get out of bed and you're afraid the world is going to hell in a handbasket, you're not going to invest. You're not going to take care of yourself. You're not going to be uh, contributing to society. You're going to be just, you know, on a slow decline towards the grave. Um, on the other hand, if you're super excited about the future, you're super excited about the world, if you have an abundance mindset, an exponential mindset, a mindset of, of vitality and a mindset of gratitude, uh, you're going to attract amazing people to you, amazing opportunities. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're the best programmer, or the best marketer or salesman. People want to be part of your you and your life. They want to support you. And so your mindset's fundamentally key to that. And I tell people, listen, it's the most important thing you have. Protect it, nurture it, shape it. And so, um, so there are a couple of elements which I think are important in mindset. And uh, I've written a few books on the subject. Yeah. And I built a couple of groups on the subject. So uh, the first is the concept of abundance that most people think we live in a world of scarcity but we don't. We live in a world of increasing abundance where access to food, energy, water, healthcare, education, information, all of these things are growing at extraordinary speeds and it's uplifting all of humanity. When you look at the actual data, 
you know, I was on stage with President Bill Clinton uh, at the last CGI. My abundance was one of his favorite books of the year. And he says, Peter, why are you so damn positive about the future? <laughs> Don't you watch the news? And I said, President Clinton, I'm positive about the future for two reasons. One, no, I do not watch the news. And I don't because it, it steals two hours of my day. And I don't want to let someone else decide what I should think of as important, right? I have very filtered news uh, through a variety of mechanisms. And I get the things that are most relevant to me, not the stuff that they want to, you know, uh, help me deliver my eyeballs to their advertisers. How do you, what's your most effective news filtering mechanism? It, well, right now it's, it's Google News, uh, where I have my, the key terms and my uh, companies and the people I care about selected, and I get a customized feed about them. And it does not include Washington, D.C. or Moscow or, you know, any of the, the national government leaders on there, unless I'm doing something specific, in which case I can change it. Um, there's another product I'm building, which uses AI and community to shape, uh, to shape news. We'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super excited about it. Uh, but, um, I, I was, I yeah. was actually really sad when Facebook changed their algorithm and I use it much less than I, I used to because I had it set up where I had trained it so that only the friends who shared the news that was worth reading uh, would post it, and that's what I would see in my feed. So instead of me filtering, it was all of my friends only posting the stuff that was actually worth reading, and it was such a good, like, like distributed system. And they changed the algorithm, so all I get is like pictures of puppies. And so Facebook suddenly stopped being relevant. I like puppies as much as the next guy, but that's not what I was there for. So maybe I'll try Google News again. I, I haven't used it in a while, but I think I think everyone listening, um, that is a profoundly good piece of advice. If you're going to consume media filter the crap out of it first. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, you know, I had this conversation with, with Elon a few, I don't know, a couple months ago where, you know, he, he follows a very small number of people on Twitter whose news filtration process he enjoys. So he'll pick 12 people and look at a Twitter stream from those because those 12 people are, are his filters, so to speak. Yeah. So you could do a very limited uh, Twitter feed in that regard. But by, by the way, if you're one of those 12 people and you're listening, if you could just mention Game Changers. <laughs> totally get it. But I will. Um, so uh, so I created a community. It's called Abundance 360. Uh, it's 360 CEOs. You're a member of it. Uh, we have uh, these are 360 CEOs uh, that run at the low end, $10 million year companies, at the high end, $50 billion year companies. And what I did was, I, as you know, I said... Um, and this came really through a lot of the work I did with uh, Dan Sullivan and Joe Polish and yeah. other mutual friends and made a commitment. I'm going to run this three-day event in January for the next 25 years. And so for 25 years, uh, I'm going to be for three days on stage talking about what are those technologies going from deceptive to disruptive? What are the technologies that are transforming how we do our business, how we lead our lives, how we govern our nations? And I spent all year curating these three days. And then through the year, I do 48 webinars with the members for a month. And it's $15,000 and it's an amazing uh, experience. And we sell out, you know, we have like 80% of the room renew the day of the third day of the event for next year. We have people signing up for three years in a row. That's awesome. I love that validation. I love that we're bringing value to their lives. Now, because 
it does sell out and it's a very limited experience, we ended up creating a digital community called Abundance Digital. And Abundance Digital um, is a group of right now about 3,000 entrepreneurs. We'll cap it at 10. And it's uh, they are people who want this positive mindset. They seek community. They want people that they can have conversations with about uh, how we're transforming food production, energy production, water, healthcare, education. And it's just a it's a, oh, did you see this new breakthrough? Do you see this new breakthrough? It's not, it's not two hours of negative barrage and mind, soul, numbing, decimating, you know, po- political news. It is really uh, a community who focuses on how, how the world's biggest problems are being solved, uh, how exponential technology is empowering individuals and how we're going from scarcity to abundance over and over again. And people have formed companies. They have They've created amazing communities and that digital community, I'm in the digital app every day with them, uh, helping translate when I see a breakthrough, how I see it, what it means to me, and ultimately uh, trying to keep them really in a super positive state of mind. The difference between that and a, a typical Facebook group is that it's it costs 10% as much as uh, as going to the full abundance 360. Yeah, it's, fi- it's 1500 versus yeah, 15,000. But, yeah. but what that means is that only people who give a shit are going to be there. And, and, and that is so precious. But uh, I'm going to break a, a, a few rules here, Peter. And we talked about this beforehand. But because you're a Bulletproof Radio listener right now, if you uh, if you think that sounds exciting, you can I'm going to give you $700 off. And this is actually a gift from me and a copy of Game Changers to boot. Um, If you use the code Bulletproof800 and you want to sign up for uh, Abundance Digital, um, this is only from Bulletproof Radio. And and when I mean that, I'm actually giving you $700 out of my pocket to do this because if you listen to the show, you're an entrepreneur, you want to know the future. I actually think that this will be so valuable for the world, not just for you. Uh, that I'm willing to do that, and plus it means you'll get a copy of Game Changers, and I think you'll <laughs> like reading it. But uh, and, and let me just let me just state that it really is uh, a gift from Dave to you. Uh, it is uh, uh, it is money that he's shifting uh, to you from uh, from us, and it's a deal that we agreed to, and we're super stoked that uh, that you get a copy of Game Changers as well. Uh, just the the URL, by the way, is uh, a is abundancedigital.info. Uh, um, and if you go to abundancedigital.info and you put in uh, the um, uh, the uh, code bulletproof800, it drops the price from 1500 down to 800 bucks and you get a copy of, uh, of Game Changer sent to your home address. And, and so uh, uh, what <laughs> I just want you guys to know, there's no back channel money I'm making from yeah. this at all. This is a, a real gift. That is money out of my pocket. Um, this is maybe the most valuable episode of Bulletproof Radio ever. Um, <laughs> but I, I believe in what, in what Peter's doing wholeheartedly. That's why he's been on my stage. And that's why I've been going back for five years now to, um, to Abundance 360 because this value of community, I require that community in order to do the things that I'm doing at Bulletproof and with Bulletproof Radio and with my books and with my other portfolio companies. And I I just, my mind, even though it's pretty darn well trained with all that neuroscience and stuff, 
your mind can get sucked in other directions, but when you make the effort that the other game changers do to have this kind of a presence in your life, I just, I think it's one of the most important things. I didn't get this at all, by the way. Uh, maybe that's a, a big difference between us, Peter. Uh, when I was when I was young in college, like I, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, and I'll just be an entrepreneur all by myself, and you know I'm, I'm not going to deal with any of these lemmings and you know one man against the world, and, <laughs> and it's it's a really painful, crappy way to do it. And if I just work really hard, maybe I'll make money. And you know what? I did. I made six million bucks by the time I was 26, uh, but I was pretty damn miserable, and I lost it when I was 28. Uh, and during that time, it played a, a small but meaningful role in, in the creation of cloud computing as we know it today. Uh, I have the poster on my wall still from the first shipping provision on demand service. It, it was it was my baby. Uh, and uh, that business, not not that actual business, but that model now is doing 27 billion a year just for Amazon. Wow. So this was the birth of an industry. I got to be there, but what did I do? I was miserable. I made money. I lost money. But if I would have just been smart enough, like you were in college, uh, to go out there and say, "Wow, what if you know? What if there's a group of people? What if we all just helped each other and, and you know weren't weren't counting nickels as we swap things back and forth?" Uh, so I, I guess I, I'm still making up for lost time on that, and <laughs> that's one reason. I'm like, hey guys, I'm gonna buy you a $700 discount on Abundance Digital because. I, I just I wish I'd I wish I'd been smart enough to do that younger. I want to know though, and you haven't told me this yet, Peter. Please, you magically decided to create this student uh, group uh, around the students for space exploration, or or for SEDs, whatever. Said students for the exploration and development of space. When you when you did this though, something made you do that. Did you learn this from your parents? Did you learn this from I'll, I'll some tell you, friend in school? Like why why did you do that so early? Yeah, so so it's interesting, right? Um, I think and I and I and you know you naturally get this, uh, and I think a lot of the of uh, of our community, and I feel I am part of yours, and you're part of mine, in, in that regard. Dave, that we're that doing anything big and bold in the world requires emotional energy. It requires a passion. Uh, it requires either you for you to be super excited about something, like like inspired, enthralled, enthusiastic about something, and that emotional energy of joy and excitement, or really pissed off and angry. I was like, damn it, I refuse to let that exist. I'm gonna go and solve that. Both yeah. of those are they're they're poles, but they're filled with energy. So um, when I was, I, I grew up in the sixties, Apollo was sort of the background story of what was going on. It was like, holy cow, humanity is going to the moon. Um, and then, then Star Trek was the scientific documentary that showed me where the world was going. Right. And then none of that was materializing. And then in fact, what occurred even worse was I realized that we were retrenching and NASA was mm-hmm. killing all the coolest programs, and uh, the shuttle would never get me there. My chance of becoming a rocket, a, a NASA astronaut, or one of the thousand, and I became so uh, pissed off. So I came from a of a negative energy, of being pissed off that I wasn't going to get a chance to fulfill my destiny, and at the same time, this positive energy of massive excitement, enthusiasm of going to the stars, and those that one-two punch. Um, drove me to want to do something. I was just, you know, I was tired of waiting. And uh, there was a moment in time when 
1981. Uh, this is predating everybody listening to this radio show, but uh, radio show, great. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're dating ourselves. It is called Bulletproof Radio. Okay, yeah. So there was a moment in time when NASA or the Congress canceled the Halley's, uh, Halley's mission, Halley's Comet mission, yeah. and canceled a, uh, a solar power um, a, solar, a solar power satellite research mission. And I was like, damn, these bureaucrats that are mortgaging my future. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to organize students around the world, uh, students around the United States in particular in the beginning uh, who have a common passion that I do. And we're going to, we're going to show them. Right. And we're going to organize and, and change the political world. Anyway, long so this story. was the righteous anger community organizing kind of yes. from the sixties that was Perfect. fueling you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there I went to entrepreneurship and it's like, okay, the government's never going to do it. I'm going to start companies that can do it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, or fortunately, Elon and Jeff have done a much better job with uh, SpaceX and Blue Origin, except they've started with billions of dollars in their pockets. So that's good. And, and also, they wouldn't be doing what they were doing had you not started the XPRIZE. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I mean, it, it, yes. that is a true statement. There was no private exploration of space to speak of. And and I speak from a position of authority. Way back in the day, this is probably 15, 20 years ago, way before the XPRIZE was founded, uh, one of my uncles was a tech entrepreneur. My, my family wasn't wealthy, but he was certainly wealthy. And he became one of the 10 most influential investors in private space exploration to the point he bought part of the Las Cruces airport that became the spaceport. Amazing. And he unfortunately passed away. But I've been hearing about this stuff in my family who's full of you know space geeks and engineers and whatever, physicists and, and uh, nuclear people. And um, nothing was going on then. Then all of a sudden the XPRIZE made it possible like like our consciousness shifted to say wait you know someone can do this for 10 million bucks or 20 million bucks and i think that was what took the lid off took the gloves off which allowed elon uh and jeff to go out and, and do this stuff i mean the regulatory stuff you went through all the fights uh, am, am i overstating the case no here? no no it was a 11 you know it's overnight success after 11 years of hard work right between the time that the xprize was conceived of and the time was won was over a decade, and at the end of the day, it was um, it was nearly, you know, it had hundreds of near death experiences, and the only thing that kept me going was that childhood passion, excitement, mixed with just righteous, you know, desire to change the problem, and so coming back to it, uh, ultimately, and and you know this, you you know, bulletproof and the work that you've done in improving your health and then sharing your lessons with the world came from that. I'm t sick and tired of this and I'm going to change it. Yeah. Um, uh, but ultimately you have to connect with that emotional energy. And if you don't, if you're doing something just for the money or you're doing something just because your parents or your teachers told you to do something, you're going to, you're going to, give up before you get to the end. Yeah, because you're, you're going to hate your life along the way too. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. All right. There's something else I want to ask you. Uh, Elon Musk was just on a podcast, uh, smoking some pot, drinking some whiskey. He's been public about acid and, and things like that. Uh, in Game Changers, uh, one of the laws, and this is something I found amongst a huge number of people I interviewed, they all found a way to get outside themselves. And for some people, it is uh, LSD. Um, uh, Jack Canfield, surprisingly, in my last interview that just went up, I said, when was that moment? He said, oh, I was 29. I did some acid. I'm like, oh my God, the chicken soup for the soul, man. Like, you know, a dear <laughs> friend also, he just said this on the air. And 
Uh, and I talk about microdosing, I talk about full dose, I talk about vipassana, meditation, breath work, all these different ways that are non-pharmaceutical and pharmaceutical that world changers use to get a bigger view of themselves and of the world, just, just to, to step out, have a, a kind of quasi-spiritual experience. Is that part of your path, whether it's pharmaceutical or not? Like, like, have you ever had that, I did something big that let me just step out and have perspective on myself, my reactivity, the world around me? If so, what was it? So the first time I ever felt anything like that, and there was a very distinct moment in time, yeah, was I remember it as if it were yesterday. I had, I had started that chapter of SEDS and at the first meeting at uh, the MIT Student Center and 25 people showed up. Some of them tried to talk me out of starting this student group and going with an L5 society, whatever the case would be. And at the end, it was uh, the we all revoted on it, and it formed as a student uh, group. And I remember it was a it was it was winter time in Boston, crystal clear night. And I walked out, and I looked up at the sky and could see the Milky Way and the stars. And I connected with this with this sort of like cosmic future. And I was like, wow. The, it was just it was this sense of connection with the universe like wow this is and relatively speaking it's a small thing right starting a student group at a university whatever but for me there was just my my soul expanded and and it just i felt like i touched the future in a way i think now in my 50s i crave for things that will be disruptive of my patterns you know, I've been having conversations about, do I go do a 10 page, a, a 10 uh, day silent meditation? Do I go and try ayahuasca? Do I go and, you know, what is it that's going to, uh, give me a, um, uh, a way to, uh, open a clean sheet of paper, uh, and see the world differently because the challenge is the, the beautiful thing about, uh, as as we succeed and grow in life is we create these patterns that are easier and easier to run and they make our life that much more efficient, but it puts a lot of our life on automatic. Um, and it's really, how do you disrupt and change and transform to have new experiences and new opportunities? Part of that is joining your community, right? Which yeah. puts you in a direction. Other ones are, and a lot of, a lot of the, I call right hand, right angle turns in my life were coming from reading a book. Um, reading the spirit of St. Louis led to the X prize reading, uh, the singularity is near, uh, led to the formation of, uh, of singularity university, uh, reading the man who sold the moon started a few of my space companies. Uh, so reading has been a big transformer for you. And it's diving into a, diving into a person's, um, uh, universe and imagining there. It, it's, yeah, for sure. I remember the first time I, I had one of those feelings and surprisingly it wasn't from the, the 25 years ago when I did ayahuasca with the shaman, although that was, that was powerful in Peru, uh, which is covered in, in Game Changers. Uh, but I didn't write about this part. Um, back when we were first forming the data center idea and, and this idea that we could grow our ability to to make the internet happen hundreds of times faster than we had before. Whereas before, if you wanted to, you had to like put a server into your desk and you had to call the phone company, wait a few months to get a high speed connection and uh, and just all this stuff. And, and I, I was sitting there one day 
uh, at lunch with a couple of people and, and it, it just, it felt like this giant swirling, like, like a hurricane. Like you, you could feel, at least I could feel uh, like, like the world was changing, like that this was something that really deeply mattered. And, and that vision, that sensation fueled my career in tech for you know, 10 plus years before I just realized at this point it's incremental and it doesn't really matter. And when I look at things like, like AI, I'm like, okay, there's a new one of those over there, but like that, that one's not mine. And I felt that again uh, when I was doing Bulletproof. There's a certain point where how can you deny that you know that feeling when you just know in your gut like this thing it, it matters for a lot more than me. Uh, and for me to be able to tune into that, I've done a lot of personal development stuff, so maybe I'm more sensitive to that. But when you're looking at a a new idea, and I mean, if anyone on Earth looks at new ideas, it's not the venture capitalist; it's you. It was at the X Prize Visioneering where you raise money for the next X Prize. Uh, things and and you had this room full of very wealthy people, uh, and you also let me in. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, they're debating. These- Listen for everybody who's listening. Please, please know that that Dave Asprey was not just in the room. He was one of our our corporate patrons, uh, sponsoring, uh, visioneering, helping us attack and solve the world's biggest problems. Uh, he is always giving and inspiring and shaping, and I'm grateful for you, Dave. So just oh. just the downplay. I want people to know that that you are a philanthropist and a, a huge thinker, and you you play at the top of the game, dude. <laughs> uh, well, well, thank you, brother. Uh, I uh, I did make a, a a relatively small, comparatively speaking, meaningful, <laughs> very meaningful, and appreciated. Yeah. Well, th- thank you uh, to support the the carbon capture X Prize because yeah. if if we can suck carbon out of the air and use it to build our houses that seems a lot better than just being carbon <laughs> neutral screw carbon neutral that's for wusses um uh, th- there's a new tagline for that one uh, but uh the uh, just just the ideas that came through that room from these big big it's just, it's, i don't say big names but, but people who had the the money the power and the the wholehearted positive desire to use the wealth that they usually had earned and occasionally were gifted with from their families um, to, uh, to, to just go big in a way that, that's crazy. When you're sitting there on stage and you look at a dozen ideas, all of which have incredible world-changing things, do you get a feeling in your gut that goes, oh my God, that's the one? Or is it you're just, all of them are so exciting that it, it's kind of, there's not a lot of signal in there. So that's, so a great question, right? And I do, I see... Uh, thousands of ideas per year. I have my venture fund, Bold Capital Partners. We've got you know two hundred fifty million dollars. We're investing in, in deals. The X Prize Foundation sees hundreds of ideas. Uh, my own inner inner team, and you know, an idea can be a really bad idea just in general. It can be a bad idea right now, and in the future, a great idea. Uh, it can be a a good idea for you, a great idea for someone else. So what it really matters is the timing is probably the most important thing for an idea. Uh, a, a, another friend, Bill Gross, who's the uh, chairman CEO of Idea Lab, did an analysis of ideas uh, that flopped and ideas that succeeded. And he measured things like, how was the experience of the CEO? How much money did they have? Uh, when did they start the company? what was going on politically, all these things, it turned out the number one thing that that correlated to success of the company was the timing, was when the company was started and did it live long enough to live forever, right? SpaceX 
an amazing company, I'm proud to be an investor, succeeded because the shuttle program was shut down and NASA needed a successor, right? Uh, even Tesla succeeded post-2008 when they got a large loan uh, from the government. Um, and if the timing wasn't there, we might not be having the same conversation. But, you know, Elon's a master of timing and one of the most brilliant engineers that I know. Having said that, um, so I see lots of ideas and I have to put them through the filter of, am I passionate enough about this idea that I'm willing to push it, stick with it, invest in it uh, to the end? And that's ultimately my most uh, precious time. My most precious asset isn't my money. It's my time and my attention. Uh, so that's ultimately uh, what it is. So there are a lot of ideas that are super exciting, just not for me. They're super exciting for somebody else. It seems like you use your community, both uh, uh, Abundance 360, Abundance Digital, uh, and even the visioneering, which is the the, the donor level, you know, what's the next X prize going to be? What, what yeah. problem are you going to solve? It seems like you use a, a, a carefully curated community as part of your vetting process of these really good ideas. Absolutely. So I will share in the abundance digital community, I will share ideas like, for example, this, uh, this uh, filtration program for filtering used by AI and community and so forth. I share that first with Abundance Digital, right? And I get their feedback in that community. Other new startup ideas that I have that I'm in early alpha, I will share it with them. I encourage them to share ideas with each other uh, and such because they're intelligent uh, and they're future forward uh, and they want to change the world. And I'm I'm just not big about companies that make money just to make money. Uh, lots of private equity funds that are there. I, you know, I'm, I teach at, at Singular University and at Abundance 360 at XPRIZE, the world's biggest problems, the world's biggest business opportunities. Want to become a billionaire, help a billion people. And that alignment is super cool and super meaningful. Have you ever invested with, with Boulder, with any other investments you make on a deal where you didn't feel that that tingle in your gut or that that spark, but all of the other parts of your community were in on it. You're saying you know, they they must be right, even though I don't feel it. This is a good opportunity, or do you just do you always have the gut alignment with what the community says? Uh, I I will never invest if I feel negatively about a company. If I'm neutral and my partners are excited, I'll fine, I'll go along. But if I feel like the CEO is not a good person, not moral. If the if the idea is um, uh, got negative consequences or externalities, uh, not something I can allow myself to do. Uh, I want to just point out that a lot of times, um, you know, how do I put this? Uh, our gut about what will turn out to be a great success can be can be off. Uh, I'm reminded by a fascinating fact. If you look at the 10 most valuable countries on the <laughs> 10 most valuable companies on the planet, uh, Dave, five of those 10, 50% were started by first time entrepreneurs in their early 20s. <laughs> Pretty fascinating, huh? It is fascinating. And I certainly started uh, uh, a variety of companies in my 20s. One of my favorite ones was called California Student Transport Network. 
And we were a ride-sharing company, uh, Uber-esque, except we didn't have much in the way of the internet. So we did a little bit on Usenet because there was no web browser yet, and we posted flyers around. And of course, we failed miserably because the tech wasn't ready yet. Otherwise, I'd have been... Timing, right? All about timing. It was was too soon. And in a lot of my career as a young man, I I told a reporter when I I sold the first thing ever sold over the internet. It was a caffeine t-shirt, and it was sold out of my dorm room. And well, I want to take it. One three seven trimethylxanthine. That actually says that on the yes. oh, like it has I, the caffeine molecule. Says caffeine, my drug of choice, and it says the chemical name. Trimethylxanthine. Yeah, I, 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 if you're addicted to a drug, you should at least memorize its formula. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I love it that you know that, but of course you do. And uh, uh, it's it's ridiculous though because a reporter said, "Yeah, what what this whole internet, whatever it is, thing, no one had heard of it." I said, "Look, within five years, we can end junk mail." Like, can you imagine opening your, your mailbox? And, and okay, we still haven't in a junk mail. So my, my timing was off. I was, you know, young and and as I've aged, uh, and I'm only, I, I just had my 25% birthday. Uh, I, I just, you know, I'm going to live to at least 180. So I'm, I'm a quarter of the way through that number. And, uh, but, but I look at that, my ability to pick timing has improved with age where I'm maybe less aggressive. Like, can't you see where it's going to go? How would you recommend young people today assess timing because they don't have the benefit of falling on their face a few times the way you and I have. You have to love what you're doing. It's guys, if there's one formula for everything and anything, love what you're doing. Don't do it for a quick moneymaker. Don't do it because your mom or dad told you love what you're doing, because if you love what you're doing, you're going to stick with it long enough to become successful. So many people have things that fail because they give up before it's time. And if you love it at 2 a.m. in the morning or at 6 a.m. in the morning, you're going to pick up the gauntlet and attack again. So for me, that's super, super critical. Uh, Law 33 and Game Changers uh, came from a a variety of of experts, but it says wealth is a symptom of happiness. (laughs) And the, the big three things that people who, who change the world that they do, they're, they do things to be smarter about what they do. Like, for instance, you know, your, uh, your newsfeed habits, uh, it, it actually does make you smarter. They do things to be faster. They don't like to waste time. And although, like I said, they only have, they're aware of, of the fact that time is a limiting factor. And they're happy. And, and there are a few miserable, wealthy, successful people, uh, but they're, they're much less common uh, than uh, – well, they're more common than I'd like. Uh, but the people who really go to the levels where you go, they're generally not miserable people. And there are exceptions to that rule, but but they've somehow figured out how to love what they do and love it so much that they can be happy even if today was a shitty day. And I, and I think that's part of it is also that some of these individuals who are wealthy and not happy are those who are second generation wealth or made it so easy quickly in the beginning of their life that they, didn't have to, they were lucky, not didn't work for it. And part of part of what I'm really kind of pissed off about bluntly i'm gonna you know shout up from the rooftops is what the hell are you doing with your money (laughs) (laughs) you know if you're a multi-billionaire listen you still can't take it with you do something risky set aside 20 30 million dollars for your rainy day fund and then go and like you know go and attack and kill all the biggest problems have fun back to craziest entrepreneurs go and just change the world you know because we can anyway (laughs) it's uh uh, it, I, I love that you're saying that, and, and yeah, that that righteous anger is a part of it. And 
Um, there's nothing more fun, uh, at least to me, than, than breaking stupid things. Uh, and, and it's not for the, the joy of seeing the fall, it's for the joy of seeing something much better grow. Uh, and I think that's part of evolution, but a lot of people don't resonate with that. But if, if you're one of those one of those people, you listen to this and you're saying, I, I really just don't like stuff that, that wastes my time and my energy, maybe there's a better way. Um, that that's why you hang out with a community of people who think the same way. And it, it, it just pours gas on, on the fire. And, and that's, that's what happened to me with abundance 360. And that's why I'm making this substantial gift uh, to listeners. Uh, just, you, that, that code, if you didn't write it down earlier, bulletproof 800 at abundance digital dot info, uh, which is me buying you a $700 discount. Uh, and you get a free copy of game changers as well. Uh, and I, you know, I, I love getting inside your head, Peter, because you, you know, you kind of have an alien brain in there. Uh, <laughs> and, and I've told Naveen Jain, who's also an XPRIZE uh, guy, abundance guy, and a, a good friend of both of ours, th- the same thing. You, you, you think so radically different than most humans. Um, I, I, I know you had the righteous sort of 60s motivation for your space stuff. What are the other things that make your brain weird? Oh, God almighty. Um... I, I'm clear that there is nothing that's not possible. And I put that pro- put in the positive, right? I, I'm clear that everything, uh, given the right combination of, uh, of talent, treasure, uh, and technology can be done. I've just convinced myself that, yeah. uh, there is no, there are very few physical limitations that we're heading towards a future where the best education, the best healthcare, access to the best food, access to all the energy you want, all the clean water you want. We're effectively demonetizing all that. And we're heading that direction. And we don't, people have no clue how quickly that's, that's happening, right? That, you know, our digital devices, our cell phones give us access to millions of dollars of free apps that we would have spent, you know, uh, trying to collect that money 20 years ago. And it's, you know, Alphabet's, you know, Google uh, Alphabet CEO, Larry Page, has the same information on on Google that anybody does on the planet. I also think about that in the next 20 or 30 years, we're making humanity multi-planetary species, uh, that there are billions of dollars being spent every year right now to connect your brain to the neocortex, a uh, neocortex to the cloud, um, you know, so that we're literally connecting, uh, you know, brain-computer interfaces, that we are the ability to sequence an individual's genome was a hundred million dollars uh, in 2001, 17 years ago. And it's now expected to be down to a hundred dollars next year, a million times cheaper. And we can now edit all 3.2 billion letters of your life. I mean, we're living in the science fiction world. It's crazy. And we're numb to how fast things are changing. But uh, you know, one of the things I remind my community about is that there is there's no there are few limits i don't say no limits there are few limits as an individual each of us have access to all the all the information on the planet from google and baidu we have access to as much computational power as you want there was an all-time high in seed capital venture capital crowdfunding sovereign investments last year will probably hit on new highs this year there's more capital flung anytime before and so ultimately what is something that you want to change in the world, that you truly in your heart want to change. And you can. It's not easy. There's no guarantees, but you can do it. And it's that 
reminding myself of that as I reflect it in my community and in my life uh, is what what keeps you vibrant and young and excited about the world. I think uh, everyone listening uh, who hears that understands why I love getting a chance <laughs> to interview and why you've been on the show a, a couple of times, Peter, because I, I always learn something. And just to share your mindset and to share how communities launched your career and all that uh, is, is valuable. And I don't think it's something that you've talked about that way, at I least in no interviews I've seen before. No, no, thank you for so. you actually... As you know, it's funny, Dave, I appreciate you so much. As you were teasing this conversation out, it's like, oh, yeah, SEDS, my first organization ever was really about building a community. And that's really the playbook that I've used for everything else I've done. It's always been about community. So thank you for that. Uh, you're so welcome. It's beautiful. And I didn't pick that up either until I ran the data uh, to, <laughs> to write Game Changers. And I saw that and, and like, oh, of course you go in that in that law. But uh, thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for putting together a powerful curated community and personally being involved as you know an, an elite global impact kind of guy uh, to be involved with with your community through your app that's accessible to uh, most listeners of the show. I think that's particularly noteworthy, interesting and cool, which is why uh, there's that that sizable gift for people. Just check out uh, check out um, abundance digital dot info use code bulletproof 800 this is not a plea for me to make a nickel it's not it's for me to give you 700 dollars and a copy of my book uh and i'm uh, i'm i'm grateful to you peter for the, your work in the world grateful for our friendship and thank you for this interview thank you pal and please uh i'd love to help uh promote game changers to my whole ecosystem as well so let's let's work on doing that let's get because at the end of the day as our friend you know uh, tony robbins says and a few others say you know success leaves clues and that's what you've built here is an amazing book. And reading the right um, game changer ninja trick at the right time will either save your life, change your life, transform your life, and definitely just not leave you the same as you were. Beautiful. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Be well. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave. 
for a seven-day free trial. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.